Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out more about our organization at action22.org. Now, here is your host, Sarah Blackhurst. Hi, welcome back to Action 22's Making Action Happen, the Voice American Network, and all on all your major platforms. We are sitting here today with Garrison Ortiz, who's County Commissioner. I'm Sarah Blackhurst. And I'm Brian McCain. So we have a really great show for you today. We've got uh, County Commissioner Garrison Ortiz. He is maybe the youngest, I always tease him about how young he is, but the youngest county commissioner ever in Pueblo <laughs> County, Yes. I don't know about the stat, but yeah, certainly yeah. a little bit younger. We'll claim it. We'll claim it. Um, but don't let that fool you. He has been doing uh, business um, and been a consultant across the nation for uh, public policy and public finance um, for a number of years before he ran for county commissioner. But you are 100% Pueblo. That's that's correct. And I just want to thank you so much for having me on your uh on your show this morning and um, really appreciate the time. No, we're, we're excited to have you. So there's been a couple of um, interesting things that have happened mm-hmm. lately. You just were reelected for your second term. Yes, uh, just got through reelection. I was sworn in uh, here in January. So this will be my uh, second and final term. Second and final term because there are term limits for Pueblo County. That's correct. Uh, two four-year terms, and I'm also serving as the chairman again uh, for my third year. So really excited. We have a great board, a lot of energy, and um, some pretty big projects on the horizon, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. So a lot of us know uh, a couple. Well, a lot of us know Terry. Uh, not Terry Hart. I'm sorry, uh, Chris Wiseman, who's on your board. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, Epi Greco is new. Mm-hmm. Will you talk a little bit about them and just sort of introduce them yeah. to our listeners and who they are? Yeah, I, I'd be happy to. Um, you know, we have a, a BOCC or a Board of County Commissioners of three. Um, for a county of our size, some commi- some counties have actually five county commissioners. Right. Uh, we have a board of three. I um, I think it keeps us a little more nimble, yes. uh, able to, to move a little quickly. Um we also have a new county manager. Um, I also want to note oh, her name. Yeah. Is, so we went to a county manager system a little over a year ago. Her name is Sabina Genicio. I, I always like to think we build a, a very strong and effective team. She actually used to be the CFO out at the state hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has just brought a, uh, a very high degree of professionalism and, um, and execution to the county on the administrative side. On the, um, on the commissioner side, uh, we have Commissioner Chris Wiseman, who is a long supporter of Action 22, as he you is. well know. Yeah. Um, he's been very gracious to um, here in my final term to kind of let me step in to serve on the board and be more involved with your organization. Mm-hmm. So I'm very uh, grateful for that. Um, as you know, Commissioner Wiseman used to be the general manager of the state fair yes. for a long time and the um, in the Department of Ag as well with that appointment. Uh, so he's very helpful on all uh, issues related to obviously agriculture, right. um, anything, any dealings with the state fair, of course, and just has a pretty um, very sound background and is just a steady hand to have yeah. on the commission. Very experienced. Such a good guy. He's so about the community and just doing the right thing for the community all the time. We really, really like, we really, really like Commissioner Wiseman a lot. And yeah. to put in the plug. The state fair needs to stay in Pueblo. Every few years, it comes it up. Comes up, and the, they want to move it to Denver or somewhere else. Yeah. And no matter politically where you're at in this side of the state, everybody agrees that the state fair needs to stay in Pueblo. It does need to stay in Pueblo. It's a huge, huge thing for the all of the Southern Colorado area, for all the ag in the Action Twenty Two area, mm-hmm. um, in particular. And Denver has the stock show, so just leave the fair where it's at and if you're talking in the future there's the possibility of a passenger train going from denver to pueblo which Mm -hmm. could help out with the state fair um and even maybe south of that bring people up that may not want to make the drive uh so state fair stays in pueblo yes we can all agree on that (laughs) and pueblo means business about that so um speaking of pueblo means business i we heard you uh we had a call a week ago or so that uh, 
Representative Donald Valdez had put together for mm-hmm. for some of us with the governor. And the governor's been really generous with Action 22. Every time we want to visit with him, he he shows up. So we appreciate um, that a lot. But we had this call. And on the call, you talked a little bit. Of, this is why I wanted you to come in and visit with us today. On the call, you talked a little bit about this Pueblo Means Business initiative that you've started. Will you tell us about this? This is very cool, by the mm-hmm. way. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy to, to speak about it. Very passionate, uh, as you can tell, of course, in that call with the governor. I, I want to say, by the way, I've always felt that Action 22, especially you, Sarah, has has really great access to the governor's office and a lot Thank of offices. You. So certainly a huge benefit to being a member um, a member of Action 22. So I want to point that out. Oh, thanks. Um, so on that call, what we what, what I had discussed is during this time where um, you know we had a lot of shutdowns last year due to the pandemic, we really decided to use that time and invested in looking at our business permitting processes uh, for the city and county of Pueblo. And when you think about economic development and you really give uh, thought to the fact that businesses are working much more virtually and can really locate and and headquarter in in a number of different places, we wanted to come out of this pandemic with the investor class and and the business class seeing Pueblo County and the city of Pueblo as a place of choice. And what that comes down to is really the permitting processes that people have to go to go through, whether they're renovating an existing building, constructing a new building, or all the steps and and regulation and bureaucracy that they have to go through to stand up and and establish themselves here. And I can tell you that it's a long overdue project where you're going to have to do the nitty gritty work of going through all of those steps. Maybe it's steps one through 40 for constructing a new building. Mm -hmm. um, And we're making those steps one through 20. Right. In addition, this community development task force, which we formed, is really looking at creating a one-stop shop for all business mm-hmm. permitting, regardless of where you're, you are, in a metro district, the city, or the county. And so the county has recently purchased the Wells Fargo building downtown. Pretty big acquisition, and yes. I'm sure you saw that in the news. Yes. That first floor is set up because there's currently a bank there for customer service, of course. Right. And our thought is that this process of helping businesses getting these permits, it really is customer service oriented and or should be and should run as efficiently as possible. So what we're going to have is all the entities along the permitting trail will have a physical presence to produce a one-stop shop on the first floor of the Wells Fargo building, including having a business navigator to help people walk through these processes and ensure that they're moving in a timely and efficient way. And if you recall from uh, the call that we had with the governor, one of the things I had asked uh, for support, business support, sometimes there are state permitting processes that hold things up, such as for childcare facilities, stormwater permit, you know, anything that requires state regulation and permitting to have an actual presence from somebody like OEDIT or or that knows those regulatory processes. And And I was really enthused when the governor had said, you know, when would you like them there? And, yeah. I, and I think my response was, you know, we're, we're moving this year and probably, um, you know, towards the fall or end of the year. So I, I couldn't have been um, any more ecstatic for the support we received. Yes. He stopped mid-sentence and wanted to know more. That was, I think he's pretty serious about supporting you on that. So with that, um, there's, we've seen other models like this, but not exactly like this. But I think sure. one of the other models that we've seen or that we've heard about that would sort of do this where you could go in. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like the DMV, but you're not going to do that. Yours, you want this to all look and feel different. Talk a little bit about that. Yes, I, I agree. It's uh, it's going to certainly be a lot different from, you know, take a number, have a seat, we'll get to you. It's, mm-hmm. it's really going to be focused on um, you know, things are so digital right now and there's mm-hmm. a digital side to this project I want to talk about, but really what we, what that one-stop physical shop is for is really for when an issue can't be resolved. Right. It's not really to walk a, a permit through from beginning to end. It's when there's a snag, there are decision makers in the room that can push that that can push that forward. Right. And the other thing is, you know, if you think about it, you have the regional building authority, you have utility companies, you have fire, water. Right. There's so many entities that can can benefit from working closer together. And putting them in the same physical space ensures that they're they're on the same mode of communication. Right. The virtual side of this that I'm really excited about is we're also going to um, shorten those processes. 
um, do some business process mapping and produce efficiencies, but we're going to fold those into technology. And so the, the software system that we're going to use, the city of Pueblo is using right now is called OpenGov. And OpenGov has a business permitting module that, that the city has signed a contract. The county is going to get on the same system. And so what you will have and the end vision is you will have a one-stop physical shop for business permitting, but a one-stop virtual shop. So we're going to, to promote across the country that you can go online and initiate any building permit, any economic activity that you would like in the County of Pueblo from wherever you may be simply online. And it'll be driven by parcel number. Okay. And so anywhere you want to initiate that, that, uh, that building permit can be done online in the, for the city and the county. And there will be a, um, a tracked workflow that will show you where your building permit is at any point in time or your, your entire project. Who, uh, whose desk it's sitting on will be running uh, routine reports on how many days it's sat on somebody's desk. And we're going to be sure that business permitting and hence economic activity is moving at, at infinitely a higher speed in, in the city and county of Pueblo. And we wanna take all of that with a summation of all that work and go and campaign nationally and tell people, as you said, the mantra of this, camp of this project is Pueblo means business. Pueblo means business. We wanna bring your business here. And how much easier it is to do that. That's right. Here in Pueblo. Our, our goal really at the, at the city and the county of Pueblo is to be able to say that, because we're competing not for just business amongst firms in the state of Colorado, but mm -hmm. across the entire country. So our goal, and it may be a lofty goal right now, but we want to be able to say our county and our city is the fastest place to stand up a business in the state of Colorado. And, and, that's, and that's the goal that that, that that team has. And I, I would say we're making tremendous progress towards it. I have a, a friend that was uh, just coming off the Board of County Commissioners in El Paso County. His name is, um, is Mark Waller. <laughs> and I asked him because he's, he's actually you know, helped me with this, this project a little bit um, by looking at some of the things they do in El Paso County. Yeah. But I said, I said, tell me this, Commissioner Waller, how, how is it that you got um, the, the largest building in the state of Colorado in the Amazon Distribution Center that came to Colorado mm -hmm. Springs? You know, was it a huge economic package that you were able to offer or what was it? And, he, and his answer to me was, Amazon knew that, you know, there were some other factors they had to consider, of course, but Amazon knew that we had a business friendly culture here. And they knew because we promised we would get their project done on time through all the permitting. I mean, think of all the permitting they had to go through as the largest yes. building in the state of Colorado. They'd be on time and on budget. And when those processes do not move, it costs people, it costs investors, small, small business owners and large corporations, it costs them a lot of money when we can't move things through on a right. monthly basis. Right. So there's nobody else really that's doing this, that's in cooperate in the state right now that you know of, that's doing something like this, and especially in cooperation county and city. That Correct. And when we talked to the folks in El Paso County, um, and actually our team had a call with some of the planning folks from El Paso mm -hmm. County yeah. yesterday. And he said, I'm so glad because we met with them several months ago. He said, I really wish we would have been able to do this for the city and county. Right. Uh, unfortunately, things just didn't quite mesh at mm -hmm. that point. But the, the president of the software company, OpenGov, who's doing a live demo next week of this to the entire task force of 40 plus people. And I'll, I would love to send you a link to yeah, hop absolutely. on there and see it. But he, he is personally the project sponsor for this project as the president of the company because, Mr. Reeves, because he said we have implemented uh, these modules for cities and municipalities. We've done them for counties. But this would be the first time that a city and county have come together to make that business permitting joint for the city and county of, <laughs> of, uh, of an area. That's incredible. I think so. I think yeah. that's incredible. But, I, and Pueblo is going to be the first to do that. Correct. Um, I, I think it really gives us a competitive advantage when we're trying to tell businesses to come here when they know whether you're in the city or the county or the metro district, all of these entities are working and pushing together to get your get your permit done. Which it works well because right now, you know, Pueblo, we have Petco, there's other economic development right. um, firms, companies, et cetera. Um, you know, they've actively been trying to bring people in and make it a business friendly environment. And this is just another domino in, in that line. And 
honestly, as somebody that did start a small business at one time in Pueblo, um, it was difficult and you had to bounce around a lot yeah. and you would get different answers. Mm -hmm. um, it reminds me of like the old, an old movie where it's like, you need this form for here and go stand in this line. Well, you need that form, go stand back in that line. And um, I forgot who was working at the city at the time, but she really helped me out get it together. And, mm -hmm. and it was the customer service that, that made it work sure. because without somebody kind of holding my hand through the, the process and pointing me in the right direction, you know, it, it was difficult and I didn't know what I was doing. I somehow managed to start a business. <laughs> uh, um, but what, what excites me the most about it, so you're gonna have the one-stop shop basically. Mm -hmm. um, and from there, I wanna start a business, I go in, everything's there, mm -hmm. like across the board. Yep. Um, in that one-stop shop, one shop, are there gonna be any type of business coaching um, services available. Mm -hmm. um, again, going through like uh, small business development, like are you going to talk to them and kind of bring them into um, or is it just going to be the service of getting everything permitted? And I, I think that's a great point, Brian. Um, the business permitting is one aspect and in, in getting through those steps. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of small businesses, a lot of entrepreneurs uh, like yourself and, and even myself to some mm -hmm. regard, it's important that you have business support as well. Yeah. So the Chambers of Commerce are actually involved with this project also. Very good. Um, we're looking at uh, talking to the SBDC and, and, and really helping pull the, and those services are already there, mm -hmm. but really placing them at the fingertips of those businesses as they walk through. So that, that's absolutely an important okay. point. Correct. Good. As I mentioned, there's a, a business navigator position that we're looking at introducing. So from the time you walk in, if you're having problems or maybe you're not familiar with the process because you don't do it every day like a general contractor, right. there would be a, a business uh, navigator position that we're establishing in the county right now that would help you walk through step by step all of those processes and help help guide you and ensure you're pointed in the right direction. And even if you need support in a certain area, they, they can help point you uh, to really where you need to go. So, I also wouldn't rule out any partnerships with, um, I've had some conversations initially about having a possible partnership with um, CSU Pueblo or PCC. Mm -hmm. They have a lot of uh, courses, which I went through in the MBA program that, um, you know, really help uh, in a kind of a consulting role mm -hmm. um, to, to help starting businesses. What kind of person are you looking for for that navigator? You know, I, I think we're looking for somebody preferably that communicates extraordinarily well, mm -hmm. um, somebody that can, that is, um, I guess, business savvy or really has a passion for business. Right. Um, and I think somebody that is just really, uh, you know, outgoing and, and wanting to meet all, everybody in the community, figure out all what all those resources are. And, uh, and it's just really collaborative in nature, I would say. That would be fantastic. It would be. And it, with the current climate as it is with COVID and the pandemic, um, do you foresee, I, I mean, I, we've been saying it on every show that we're going to see a lot of these larger businesses kind of move out of the metro areas. Correct. Um, you know, there's no reason to pay a million dollars a month in rent for a skyscraper when That's people right. are working from home. That's right. And this gives people the opportunity that want to live in that rural lifestyle or, you know, rural as in Pueblo rural or even the counties. Mm -hmm. um, are From what you've been hearing, um, doing your research, are you seeing that movement from the the larger metro areas to the smaller cities? Yeah, I, I think that's a, a keen point, uh, Brian. It, you're going to start to see, especially major corporations, mm -hmm. really decentralize um, the physical location of personnel and operations when possible, uh, with the primary reason being overhead. And I think people are seeing what work, well, we've been forced to see what work can be done virtually. Mm -hmm. And it also provides, um, you know, an added benefit when you work for a company and you could say, uh, you know, you can live anywhere you want in the country or anywhere yeah. you want in the state, as long as you can maybe be here within, you know, a certain amount of hours to uh, an office, maybe one time a week. So it opens a lot of opportunities. And as you know, uh, the city and county of Pueblo has a much more affordable housing market. I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's certainly going up, um, mm -hmm. but much more affordable than places up north. And we're already seeing that 
uh, whether it be in the, the rental market or we're even seeing it with the, uh, the outcome of the 2020 census, which we're going to see here really soon. Right. Does, is there a lot of housing stock in Pueblo? I mean, is there a lot of options where that's one of the things we're hearing, we're having a lot of discussions about energy right now and, mm-hmm. and where that kind of thing is going. But mm-hmm. I had somebody say they, they had wanted to hire somebody that would have moved he, either to here, but they wanted them to move um, into a County that was further South and they couldn't, they ended up not taking the job mm-hmm. because there was no housing. Yeah. So what is it like here in Pueblo? I, I think that illustrates the importance of this Pueblo Means business project perfectly because you're right. The housing stock is low. It is so hard to find a reasonable house to buy or even a space to rent right. on, a, on an interim basis. And I think the, the prime example of that is literally last week, because I'm sure you can imagine I'm talking to you know, the minute that the word about this project got out, every developer, every business owner, you know, right. really wants to talk and has some experiences to share. But just down here on Main Street, there is a historic building that they have been remodeling and renovating to be 40 plus apartments in the downtown area. Oh, wonderful. Two to three bedroom apartments, uh, very modern uh, remodel, uh, very nice. I mean, almost the epitome of what you want if you yeah. want to revitalize yeah. the downtown area. And 40 new units is exactly what you're saying that yeah. people need. And it's ironic because we're going through all of these floors and he's showing me just, you know, and I'm, I'm excited as a leader in this community because this is what we want. Right. But the only thing holding them up from getting a CO or even a temporary certificate of occupancy uh, was the business permitting process with regional. <laughs> and if there was some flexibility, which there should be, yeah, and some, some you know, being reasonable and common sense, and I get these things are in place for safety and, and, and rightfully so, but at some point there needs to be people that can make calls to where we're going to get those things open. And when that developer who's doing that, which is from Denver, yeah. He's going to tell all of those other, that investor class, what it's like to do investment in Pueblo. So that's exactly why this project, why this project needs to succeed. Absolutely. This has to happen first before all of the other stuff will happen. Absolutely. It's going to bring tremendous amount of of growth and and business. And and he's not the only one. We're seeing other people that are looking at Pueblo right now. We have. We know at least one project that's on par with that. Yep. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and we've, when we met with them, they had other people and other investors coming down mm-hmm. and doing the same thing. So, um, and if it's that one little thing, mm-hmm. that's completely, we're completely able to overcome that. That That's correct. Uh, I think the issue, not to be too technical, but was uh, something that was caught at the very end of the process. Mm-hmm. And it was insulation around uh, some sort of a heating mechanism that was going to cost $80,000. And I thought, you know, why can't we get a temporary CO and get this place get open? It, so yeah, get it going, but, get but it it's, fixed. but it's story after story and um, you know, and, and to some, to some folks credit, sometimes it's just what the book says, right. But what we're doing is we're throwing the book out the proverbial window. We're re- rewriting the code. We're lessening the red tape and we're going to ensure that we put ourselves on the map and bring businesses here. And what a tremendous opportunity to do that right now. Yes. And it's it's not just a Pueblo thing. Clearly, nobody else, if nobody else has a city and county working together on this, right. like you are right now, right. It's, it's just, it was business as it was before. And now sure. you can move forward and do business in a, in a completely different way. I agree. Than, than we can on that. And Pueblo can be the model for this going forward, which will increase the advertising, the eye on Pueblo. That's um, just, that, that's exactly the goal. And I can tell you, I think you're going to see some pretty big, pretty big things this year in terms of that project. We are cranking along. We meet once a, once a month. Um, you know, I hope that we can have the software implemented by the end of the year. I, I'm kind of a systems guy. So I believe systems introduce accountability yes. uh, on all sides. And, you know, when you can audit those trails, you can see where the bottlenecks are. Um, leaders can say, uh, we need more resources in this area right. because we're not moving fast enough. But we're, we're going to be very prescriptive when it comes to bringing businesses here. One last thing I wanted to say on that project is I'm sure you know, and you've been on some of those uh, tours of Pueblo, if you will, yeah. with some of these big economic prospects. 
when they bring them here and, and they go to all the jewels of, of the city and county of Pueblo, which are the river walk and, mm-hmm. and, and the downtown area and, and all those sorts of things. Our goal is that we do a, a huge remodel of that first floor, infuse it with the best technology, really roll out the red carpet. And that's right. a stop on that trail because when we bring them down, we want to say, uh, we're serious about bringing your business here. And any issue you're going to have along the way, any hiccup, there are decision makers all in this room from all those entities because they want to have you here. And if you need business support, those folks are here as well, even including from the state. Yeah. No, that's tremendous. That's so did you get the entire building or just that first floor? So the county at this point has purchased the entire building. Okay. Uh, the original intent was the city and county would purchase it jointly. Um, some things didn't quite work out at the going to, getting to the closing table, but right. we're in we're in current negotiation with the city uh, to actually sell them a, a couple floors of that building and have joint ownership. I think once we're able to get that done, uh, you're going to see a the large one of the largest buildings downtown, yeah. obviously. Um, serving city and county residents in a much more uh, modern and efficient space. I can tell you that the purchase of that building uh, was absolutely incredible. We purchased that building for $1.5 million under listing price. We got it for $44 per square foot. And it will allow us to infinitely improve our bottom line by getting rid of existing leases and selling off other buildings. There's no reason the county should pay a hundred plus thousand dollars a year in existing leases. Yeah. So some of the offices you'll see moving there from the county side are election, the elections department um, and, and others. The city to my uh, music, to my ears in our discussion yesterday is looking to move um, planning um, their planning and zoning department public works department, uh, fire administration. Those are all permitting entities along the permitting right, trail. Right. So I think, so they're thinking I think about that's going there. Yeah. That's correct. So I think that's pretty neat. So for, for listeners who have been in this um, public government or local government arena for a, a long time, they're all saluting you. For those of our listeners who don't really understand, there's, it's not always very easy for city and county. And there's, there's a lot of conflicts for a lot of these communities between city and county. Uh, a lot of times they're competing for the same resources or whatever it is, but mm-hmm. for that's a tremendous lift. Who's been the most helpful in that, that you've been able to collaborate with? Who's been the most helpful for you to really push that collaboration? You know, I, I, I want to say that, uh, you know, city council and, and the mayor have all been, have all been very helpful. Um, you know, the, Pueblo Means Business Project, um, Councilman Mark Aliff has been tremendous, a tremendous and fierce supporter of the project. Um, Councilman Dennis Flores has, has been really um, congenial to work with on, on the building, and, um, but, but a majority of them have, have been pretty good in ensuring that we have, uh, we have cooperation. I know not everybody on council agrees with you know, these projects and the right. building and things like that. But I have a lot of faith that when this is pulled together and you can see it and you know how some folks are, sometimes you have to see it before right. mm-hmm. before you see the real value in it. Um, but it's going to be a tremendous step forward when it comes to city county cooperation and and serving the citizens in a more efficient way. I can't wait to see all the great things that are going to come from that. Well. That brings us about to the end of our time limit with you. Um, anything else, anybody you want to give a shout out to? Um, anybody has any questions where they can find answers? You know, I, I just want to uh, really thank Action 22. Um, they make platforms like this available to help local elected officials really get out their message. Um, you know, I've been, I haven't worked with, I haven't been a commissioner. This is my fifth year, Yeah. but you know, I want to say that action, I want to give a shout out to action 22 and to, uh, Sarah and Brian and, and all of your staff here for, uh, really helping me, um, get my message out, find resources for these projects because without, uh, without help, big things like this don't get done. So I just want to thank you. We appreciate you. We appreciate who you are as a leader and elected official. Uh, I think that we're going to have a lot of our other counties. You know, we have so many county commissioners on the Action 22 board, um, people who are either run municipalities or mayors. We have all of those people. They're going to be coming to you to see how they can do that. It's going to be 
I'm excited because I'm gonna, we're going to see not just Pueblo blessed by this mm -hmm. project, but because you're plowing snow on it, all of our other communities are going to figure out a few things to do. Um, I I anticipate, you know, Gigi Dennis runs um, the county down in uh, Alamosa County. Mm -hmm. She's going to hear this and she's going to be calling you up and saying, okay, what do we do next? I can totally see her doing that yeah. too. So uh, it's a wonderful network that we have and we appreciate Appreciate you taking the time with us today. Thank Thanks you so for much. your time. Appreciate it. So when we come back, Brian and I are going to tell some tales and name some names a little bit more. Um, and we want to talk to you a little bit about a cool project that we're going to be working on. Uh, we're going to be putting on an energy summit uh, coming up next month. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So when we return. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Tune in every week for Making Action Happen, hosted by Sarah Blackhurst. The program takes you inside Action 22, a Colorado-based community outreach organization established in 1999. The show focuses on public policies, both politically driven or not, which have ongoing and immediate impact on the Colorado community and the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make action happen. Listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Voice America Variety. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. This is Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst. To reach the show today... Call in to 1-866-472-5788. Again, that's 1-866-472-5788. You may also reach out via email to sarah.blackhurst at action22.org. Now, back to Making Action Happen. Hi, welcome back to Action 22's Making Action Happen. I'm sitting here with Brian McCain. We just had the very cool, very innovative Garrison Ortiz with us, County Commissioner for Pueblo. I've, I remember when he ran for office, um, we had our friend Paul Hendrickson said, come and see, come over here with us. And um, you got you to gotta check this guy out who's running for County Commissioner. So I kind of drug my feet and went over and, and met him. And so we walked in the door and, you know, I met this really nice young kid and then we go in and we sit down and we're talking. I was like, so where's this County commissioner? And they're like, you just met him. I said, mm -hmm. I said that 14 year old kid. And they said, yes, I can't believe it's been five years already um, since five, almost six years already. But he's really, for me, the example of what a, a young upcoming elected officials should be and should look like. Um, so it's really great to see what he's doing. So uh, I loved having him on. Um, so what good stories do you have for me? Well, I just want to say with Garrison coming on um, for, for good and bad reasons, you know, people always say that Pueblo's it's run by the same people, the good old boys network, which I, I don't believe in that at all. I mean, you know, you have leaders that want to lead Pueblo and they're passionate about Pueblo. But with Garrison coming on, it was nice because he's kind of uh, uh, brings a new perspective to the county yeah. as a county commissioner. And everything he's worked on is, is great. He's been an asset to Pueblo. Like this is one of many examples of what he just talked about. And it, it's good to see somebody, um, especially somebody young, that's passionate for the, the future of Pueblo. Um, and I like it. Yeah. 
I like him a lot. So we got to go down the valley this week to the San Luis Valley this week and spend mm-hmm. the day with a lot of our friends down there. Yep. And it was uh, actually a very nice day in the valley. Usually it's freezing down <laughs> it there. And we left Pueblo and I think it was like 17 degrees in Pueblo and foggy and snowy. And then you just get right outside of Pueblo and it was like a wall of fog that that opens up and then it was beautiful and sunshine. So we, we got a good, we got a good trip down there. Um, met with uh, the potato people, um, representative Valdez, of course, yes. um, Brenda, our board member, our board member and former coworker of mine. And um, yeah, it was a good trip. So this was really cool. We're going to give a shout out to Dr. Lovell, who is the president of Adams state. We got down there and we we were a little excited to learn that she always watches the show yeah, yeah. or she listens to the show. So we want to give a, a shout out to her. We I was especially excited to hear that their numbers, Adam State, and you know, that's our uh my and my husband's alma mater, uh, that their numbers have not gone down dramatically. Yeah. In fact, they've stayed the same for undergraduate, but they've gone um they've gone up for postgraduate. Yeah. So the and just the way she worked, she reaches out to the community and, mm-hmm. and all that they're doing there. It was really, you know, we hear a lot of, you know, bad news, but that was some really good news to hear what they're doing and how closely they're working with the community colleges and the dual enrollment with the high school and all the things that we say we need to see more of. She's actually getting it done. She has. And another thing that really kind of hit home t- speaking with her was that they still kept in-person learning through this entire process. Um, I think they had to shut down and go on completely online for a week or two here or there. But um, Adam State has really, really set an example of how you can still go to school in person. They have somewhat of a hybrid system for the larger classes. And it, it just shows how important that is. But as far as like COVID outbreaks, COVID numbers, anything like that, they've done it safe. Right. They've done it well, and they haven't had any problems with it. And I, I think it sets an example that some of the other schools um, around the country even can look at that and say, hey, we can do this. Because, I, again, as we said before on the show, that in-person learning is so important for children and college students. So well, I, I was yeah, impressed. For all of them. No, it was impressive. And we, we went on campus, and everybody mm-hmm. was wearing masks. It wasn't really hectic. Uh, I think we were in between classes, but she said that they, that they go back and forth. So you can, you're in person and then you're, but everything's live. And, and that's also a tremendous lift when you mm-hmm. consider the, how they they manage that. They have really great broadband down there and they do yeah. a really good job of that uh, right there in Alamosa. Uh, and it's grown um, Alamosa since, you know, since I was there, we were there, we always go back and look and we are down there often and, and how much it's grown up and, and what a cool little town it's become uh, down there in the valley, but all the valley. So when we also went up and um, we, we met with Jim Ehrlich, who mm-hmm. also is on our board of directors, um, and he's uh, you worked with him for years. I've worked with him for years. And uh, there's not a time that I meet with him that I don't either get a perspective I hadn't thought of before or I learned something new. He's He's really great. I really actually really, really like Jim Ehrlich, but he had some interesting things that, again, I didn't realize or didn't think about mm-hmm. before um, in talking about really how we move forward with ag, but especially on the water side. This is something we have to constantly have conversations about in Colorado. Yeah, with uh, the changes that are coming and goals that are to be met with water usage and with basically water not being as available as it has been in the past, it's going to, it's going to challenge some of the farmers down there in the ag industry. And I, I think that the, the potato farmers alone, and you have alfalfa down there, you know, they're, they're the best people that understand the land and how the water works and what they can do. And they're the best um, environmental stewards of it because they can't ruin their ground because then they can't grow potatoes or they can't grow their crop next year. They can't graze their cattle. So they're really getting ahead of this and some of the the changes that we're going to be seeing as we're going through a dry spell or climate change, as some people say, or just a bad year. You know, they're they're really innovative in this. So we'll be having those conversations with him and some of the the ag producers down there just to see what their challenges are, um, what we can do to help them, um, how we can get that conversation going with the state and the feds on this. 
um, it, it's important to say that in in the majority of my experience working for the government on the federal side, you generally see a one size fits all approach mm. to things, whether it's environmental, um, finances, anything. You know, a perfect example is um, Dodd Frank. You know, there was a reason for Dodd Frank and why that was pushed through, um, but it was a one size fits all approach. And you know what works with regulating the larger banks um, in the country, say the Wells Fargo's or, you know, U.S. Bank, doesn't really work for a local community bank. And through my years working through this, you know, that was some of the complaints we heard that it was overburdensome for these smaller institutions. And the same goes for agriculture. Um, you have our lawmakers and leaders make these decisions and, you know, they may not even know how agriculture works. Um, yeah. I remember there was a, there was a reporter, a political reporter, and I forget his name, but he was based out of New York. Um, he was flying to California. Of course, they, they went from like New York to Denver to California. And he was looking out the plane and this is on video and I'll, I'll find his name to put it up. Okay. Um, he looked out and he's like, what are, what is that? Like, why are there circles down there? <laughs> And they're like, well, that's farmland. And like the guy had no concept how farming actually worked. And, you know, he always thought like, oh, farming is going away. Like this is, we need to do this, that, and other thing. And, and it just showed that this reporter who was one of the main reporters, political reporters covering DC and critiquing legislation that may have been beneficial to farmers, you know, he had no concept of what farming even was. And you get that with some of the representatives and senators too, you know, what's a, a congressman from say New York city area, like going to know about a potato farmer in the Valley. And while they're making these decisions and passing these bills that they feel with good intentions to, to, you know, save the environment, to be environmental stewards, like they don't really understand how that affects some of our, our producers here, say in Colorado or the right. Western States. Um, yeah, there, there is a, a caucus on the House side, the Western Caucus, and the Senate has something similar. And it's basically all the, the representatives and leaders from the Western states, you know, they get together both sides of the aisle to kind of educate their big city counterparts on how it really is. And even going to Pleb, um, Colorado with that, you know, sometimes we have legislators that are in Denver that, that may not understand the dynamics of the valley or Eastern Colorado They've never been south Even the mountains. Springs. Yep. Yeah, you hear that a lot. And I think that it's important as an organization that we really need to educate uh, these people on how it works and what they may think is the best solution to yeah. some of this may not be the best solution. And, you know, our farms feed America. Like, it's not only an economic problem. Um, it's national security as well. Um, we have to eat. Right? Yeah, <laughs> you have you to do, eat. It, you do. No, and, it's true. And and it's even it even goes back to. I remember hearing stuff about evil corporate farms, and and I've tried to explain to people. It's like, look, you know, you can get a tractor's over a million dollars right now. So yeah. their idea, like, oh, this farm's worth ten million dollars. It's an evil corporate farm. Like that's not that's that not big like, of a farm. No. And there were so many people that I've worked with over the years. I'm like, look, this is a multi-million dollar farm. And they're like, this? I'm like, yeah, it's like three people work on it and it's a family farm. But in your eyes and in your mind, when you see it on paper, that's like a, a big corporate farm. Um, it's not the case. And again, it's just educating. that. Well, I think here's the thing, especially about that culture is that, uh, and I, I'm talking about the ag culture. First of all, they're not going to take the time to really toot their own horn. Mm -hmm. It's outside their it's outside their comfort zone. Um, and so what happens is every single time I talk to somebody who's an ag producer, without exception, I'm always struck by how really genuinely innovative they are, mm -hmm. um, how genuinely technology has, they're using the best and latest technology. Uh, and and some at some point we're going to have uh, Chad Borthman come on and talk a little bit about the technology and ag, um, but really how advanced that they are. But they you don't nobody knows it because they mm -hmm. don't they're not going to sit there and tell you all the great stuff that they're doing. But really, 
when they say it's, what is it, 20,000 hours mm-hmm. that before you're an expert at something, these guys have 200,000 hours in on this. It's them that we should be asking, how do we do this in a, a productive way? Mm-hmm. I am a big fan of, there's a hemp producer out of Del Norte whose name is Monty. And we laugh about it because if you're from the San Luis Valley, you say Monta Vista, but you don't say Monta Vista, you say Monty. So that's mm-hmm. where they're from. So I say Monty from Del Norte. But he's been working on ag. Um, he's been working on producing hemp for like six or seven years now. He's literally writing the book and nobody knows who he's mm-hmm. talked to. And then everybody is trying to, in other places, trying to say, this is how it should be done. Or there's hedge funds out there. And he's just very calmly mm-hmm. doing it. He's creating how it should be done. And you're going to see some tremendous things. But that's, that's the norm in the ag industry not the exception. No, that, that is the norm. Uh, the first, the first time that I ever experienced the internet or saw a computer hooked up to the internet was on a farm in Kansas. And <laughs> I, I like, you know, it's my great, great uncle's farm, um, who was still alive at the time. And, uh, you know, I'm going in his basement and he has a computer hooked up and they had the, the Doppler radar and, messaging people and I'm like what is this and I mean this is the 90s early 90s right and he's like oh this is hooked up to what's called the internet and I'm like how do you know what the internet yeah. is but 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 again it, it just shows that innovation that the ag community really has and, and um you know sometimes the the big city folks don't think uh us the rural people move as fast as yeah. them but there's it's great like the smartest, most genuine, most environmentally conscious people that you will ever meet are Our ag producers. Ag producers. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, we hope that people will start to, we can start to toot their horn for yeah. them. I hope that we do um, a really good job of that in the next little bit. I love going to the San Luis Valley and that's part of it. It's, it's a grounding experience to go down there and talk and, and see all these people. And we also met with Sarah Stover, who mm-hmm. is working on economic development. Yep and recovery and Kathy Woods. I'm a big fan of Kathy Woods now um, and what she's doing. And these guys, they just want to do so much for their communities. They work really, really hard. And I promise you, anybody in the San Luis Valley, they're not there for the money. They're there for the love of the land and their community. And uh, I think one of the biggest threats that they face right now um, is water. And so um, that's why you hear us talk about uh, Cleve Simpson, who is the mm-hmm. new senator from down there, so much. And it's because he's so dialed in. He's an ag producer himself, um, but he understands water. He understands ag. Um, and we're really going to support him as he sort of gets his message out as well. So last thing um, that, that we've been working on this last week, and I'm really excited about it. It's coming together in an interesting way. Uh, next month, we are going to be doing a energy summit. Mm-hmm. It's a mini summit. We have uh, quite a few members of Action 22 who are um, in the energy industry. And we have them from all, from everybody who's working on decarbonization. We've got oil and gas people. We've got um, solar people. We've got co-ops. We've got co-op associations. We've got investor owned. All of them, we're going to do something kind of crazy and we're going to bring them all together and they're going to start to continue the conversations that we started with Voices of Rural Colorado event a couple of weeks ago. Um, and they're excited about it, but it's really our hope. We want, we want to pose the question. I want to pose the question. Action 22 wants to pose the question in all of the, we'll call it energy um, policy or um, I'm going to say energy policy, but that really encompasses energy and climate change and a whole lot of other things. First, we want to ask them, um, we want everybody to be thinking, how does this benefit the consumer? How does this grow the economy? How does this expand our energy portfolio, expanding the energy portfolio in Colorado? Um, And also how is what what this is going to be um, going to investment on infrastructure and how that Mm -hmm. should look and how that should be. You know, we talked a little bit um, when we had Garrison in here, we talked about it a lot, how Colorado really leads the way on so many things. Mm-hmm. I think that it's, I don't think it's too heavy of a lift. I think it's absolutely in our capacity as we sort of try out some energy policy. 
that we can do it in such a way that it benefits the consumer, it grows the economy, it expands the portfolio, and it, it does infrastructure investment that's actual investment that's going to pay back um, to the state on all mm-hmm. those things in the future. So that's what we're working on on the energy um, summit that's going to be coming up and we'll do um, a whole bunch of, we'll keep everybody informed on that. We're inviting all of the legislators to participate in that and um, all of our energy members to participate on that too. Um, and somebody mentioned yesterday that uh, it was it was quite a feat to get all of these different energy perspectives mm. to mm. get together on one thing. Um, but we don't think it's that hard. It's kind of what we do all the time. Yep. So that'll be good. And just a reminder, you can find this on YouTube and please subscribe, like, comment. Yeah. Um, again, I sound like a teenage video game streamer. No, you have that. to, you have yeah. to. That's, uh, um, what, that's what our kids are telling us that we yeah. need to say. Yeah. So uh, comment, like, subscribe. Yeah. Um, keep following all of our social media. It's slowly changing as I kind of rework it and rebrand everything. Um, you can find that Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn. What's a, what am I missing? Instagram. We, <laughs> we have pages on all that. So please follow that. Um, again, action22.org. If you have any questions or if you want us to talk about something on the show, um, email show at action22.org. Um, if you want to join, you want to be a member, you can email show at action22.org or go to our website and it has all the links there. Um, we also really want to get some pictures of the Action 22 area. Yes. So if you if you want to show off your county, your town, your area, anything like that, please send them to the same email address show at action22.org. And we can highlight those on the, the website and social media and stuff. And So next week, I'm going to kick it up just a little bit and get Brian outside of his comfort zone. Um, so next week we're going to have, uh, Mike Riley, who has one of the most worthy nonprofits, I think in Pueblo County. Um, he's had some struggles of late with what they're doing and their supportive kids. Um, and so he's going to be on our show and tell us where he's at with that. But then for the second half of the show, we're going to talk about whatever you want us to talk about. Okay. So email us at show at action22.org. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about and Brian will talk about whatever you want Brian to talk about. Um, that would be a whole lot of fun, I think. Um, and if again, if you're ready to join Action 22, get a hold of Brian. He's in charge of that. He's been doing a great job, and I've been amazed at how um, quickly we're we're adding new members every single day. So we're gonna talk a little bit about our new members next week as well. All right. So with that, we'll see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your host, Sarah Blackhurst, for another edition of the show next Thursday at 1 p.m. Mountain Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.